0: Hello and welcome to this Herbert Smith Freehills Corporate Governance Podcast. My name's Gareth Sykes and I'm the UK Head of Corporate Governance Advisory at Herbert Smith Freehills. I'm delighted to be joined today by Phil Fitzgerald, Director of the Financial Reporting Council's Financial Reporting Lab and Marie-Claire Bone, Project Manager at the Lab. They're joining me today for a discussion on the lab's recent project on disclosures in relation to stakeholders, decision making and Section 172 statements, which was published in July 2021. For a number of years now, there's been a lot of focus on how companies have regard to their stakeholders and on how companies demonstrate this regard in their corporate reporting. And this focus has only increased as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. But this enhanced focus goes back a number of years with a particular catalyst being some uh, well-publicized corporate failures as well as a perception that some companies did not have due regards to their stakeholders when making some high-profile decisions. And so in light of this, the government introduced new corporate uh, reporting requirements in this area in 2018, including the Section 172 statement, which requires companies to explain in the annual report how their directors have performed their Section 172 duty uh, to promote the success of the company, having regard to the various stakeholder factors listed in Section 1721, which includes employees, customers and suppliers, uh, the community and environment. And stakeholder interests and indeed consideration of stakeholder matters is also a prominent theme in the UK Corporate Governance Code, which was also published in 2018. And with most companies now having completed at least two rounds of reporting against this framework, the Financial Reporting Lab project on stakeholders decision making and Section 172 statements is a timely review of how companies are approaching disclosure in these areas, what investors are looking for and how companies can enhance their disclosures. And Phil, one of the key messages coming out of the project is that investors expect reporting on stakeholders, decision-making and Section 172 to be considered and looked at in the round, and that ultimately the aim should be to demonstrate how a company is progressing towards fulfilling its purpose and achieving its long-term success?
1: Yes, that's right. This project was first initiated clearly to address the demand in the market for some guidance around the new required Section 172 statement, which um, is clearly fa- fairly recent, as you mentioned. But based on the initial discussions that we had with stakeholders, it was very clear that you know, it, it would be beneficial for the project to cover stakeholder reporting more widely because it's not just in the Section 172 statement where companies will refer to their engagement with stakeholders. Our discussions with investors then very much highlighted that ultimately they're interested in understanding how the company is meeting its purpose, how it's progressing towards long-term success and creating value. And clearly, information on how a company considers and interacts with its stakeholders is very key to this. But we also heard that investors want to understand the strategic decisions the company is taking. And of course, the two are very much interlinked. You know, a company needs to understand its stakeholders and what their needs are in order to consider the decisions that they needed to take to help the long-term strategy of the company. So as the project evolved, it very much made sense to structure the report in that way. So the first section of the report really covers engagement with stakeholders. The second section then talks about principal decisions and how they might be disclosed. And the third section talks about Section 172 statements, which is really where the two things can be brought together by a company. So that's really how we structured the report. The report includes a number of practical pieces of guidance for companies, including practical examples, as all lab reports do, which really set out how companies can best disclose how they've engaged with stakeholders what the principal decisions are that they've made and how those principal decisions have been informed by stakeholder engagement and how best to put together a Section 172 statement.
0: Great, thanks, Phil. And I suppose then maybe kicking off with stakeholders And I think it's fair to say that as a result of these new requirements, a lot of companies have done a stakeholder mapping exercise and are quite clear as to who their their key stakeholders are. And I'm thinking in particular around workforce customers and suppliers for most companies. And I think most companies would also say that consideration of stakeholder matters is naturally woven into board papers and, and board decision making. And so then I suppose when it comes to reporting on stakeholders, there seems to have been a bit of coalescing around a a table setting out key stakeholders, engagement with those stakeholders. But Marie-Claire, are companies articulating their key stakeholders clearly enough? And what else are investors looking for when it comes to reporting in relation to stakeholders?
2: It is a bit of a mixed picture. As you say, Gerrit, several reports seem to focus on a list of expected stakeholders and the engagement activities undertaken. And while investors recognize that companies are likely to always need to report on workforce, customers and shareholders, for example, there may be other key stakeholders and these may even change over time. So they really need to be specific to the company and the company needs to think of who are the relevant stakeholders and investors also want to to understand why they are key. What investors want to know is why are those stakeholders important to the company? How does the business model depend on them? And how do the company's relationships with the stakeholder group identified enable it to achieve its strategy? Also, how strong are these relationships? If the relationship was damaged, lost, or reduced, what would the implications be on the business model, strategic plans, or on the company's reputation? It's insight into these factors which can really help investors understand the company's prospects for success. And information about what is important to company's key stakeholders and how the company creates value for them is relevant as this will link back to the importance of the relationship for the company and whether that relationship will continue. As I think you mentioned, like the mapping exercise, we've also seen companies kind of depict this in a materiality assessment that's kind of linking to what issues are important to stakeholders and how stakeholders are affected by such issues and the materiality to the company. Another consideration is that stakeholders are also sources of both opportunities and risks. Companies should provide information on what could significantly affect the relationship with a stakeholder including market trends, and where are their risks? What mitigating actions is the company taking? And for opportunities, is the company considering them strategically? And then when identifying key stakeholders and providing information on them, it is important that companies consider whether such information and also the identified stakeholders apply across the whole group or whether there are differences in different segments or business units.
0: So quite a lot to be thinking about in terms of stakeholders then. But one issue that I I particularly wanted to pick up on is engagement and engagement activities. As we've discussed on previous podcasts, that being something of particular interest to investors. So, for example, when we spoke to your colleague Maureen Beresford in connection with the uh, review of corporate governance reporting that was published towards the end of, of 2020, that was definitely a key thing coming out of that report in particular in connection with the provisions in the governance code around uh, workforce engagement. And I suppose a key practice point coming out of of, of that report was that companies perhaps aren't reporting on the outcomes of engagements and the actions that they're taking in response to their engagement activities. I suppose is that a fair comment in this context as well, Marie-Claire?
2: Uh, Yes, definitely. Investors pretty much echoed that same message that currently disclosures do not focus sufficiently on the outcomes of engagement. Also, when companies report on engagement activities, it often feels quite one-sided and companies tend to report just almost like what they've been saying to their stakeholders. Engagement needs to be a two-way process and the reporting should reflect what the company heard from stakeholders and how the company then responded to that feedback, so including any actions taken and what were the implications on strategy and the decisions, principal decisions. Since Section 172 statements relate to how directors considered stakeholders, companies we spoke to express concern on how to report on engagement with stakeholders by the board. However, investors recognised that the majority of engagement is conducted by management. What is important is for companies to explain how the board then received the information from management and consider the feedback of the engagement in their decision-making. In fact, in in the report, we highlight some good examples where companies distinguish between direct and indirect engagement or how the board complements management's engagement. And besides information on engagement, investors want to understand how the board and management monitor and measure performance related to stakeholders. While a lot of the information they receive and report is qualitative in nature, new metrics are being developed. And where these are provided, they should have certain characteristics. So they need to be aligned to strategy, be clearly defined and in the context of specific targets or objectives, be transparent by clearly explaining what drove the result or performance, be reliable, so including explanations of how the metric was calculated or what standard was used, and if possible, corroborated with third-party metrics. For example, we see companies using Glassdoor. And uh, consistent where these are presented from year to year. So, demonstrating trends over three to five years is, is really helpful. Altogether, this information on stakeholders can be a really good indicator of the company's culture. Of course, the company's culture is, is critical to how the company actually treats its stakeholders.
0: Absolutely. And culture is another key theme which pervades the 2018 code. And I think uh, there were some very useful comments that really resonated there, Mary Claire. In particular, I think that the comment around engagement being a two-way street is something that I think can certainly be picked up on and improved by companies when they're reporting. Moving away from stakeholders to reporting on principal decisions, and the labs report acknowledges that there are different approaches to reporting on principal decisions and that, that may differ depending on industry or, or sector, for example, and sometimes principal decisions are tracked by reference to capital allocation or knock-on effects to a particular stakeholder group or those that are particularly interconnected with strategy. So, Phil, what should companies be thinking about in the context of reporting on their principal decisions? Well, I think the two things
1: are intrinsically linked, you know, the engagement with stakeholders and principal decisions. And I think when companies are thinking about, you know, what the principal decisions are that they're looking to disclose, they should be really, or what investors are really looking for is those that are strategically important. What investors often tell us is they want to get a picture of what the company is going to look like during their investment period, which might be, you know, five or 10 years' time. So, they want to get some insight into how the decisions taken now will impact the business going forward. And of course, many of those decisions are going to be informed by the engagement the company has with its stakeholders, whether it's its customers or its suppliers or its employees, etc. So the two are very much sort of intrinsically linked together. We often see, you know, key decisions selected as case studies, which, which is useful. So in some cases, companies might want to think about providing a narrative of all principal decisions during the year and, of course, the annual report should cover that and also those decisions that are made after the end of the financial period but before the report itself is published. But at its core, investors are really interested in how companies have considered stakeholder interests and also in relation to the principal decisions taken by the company, how those principal decisions will, of course, impact on the stakeholders themselves because there's a fine balance there. And the report goes into a bit more detail about you know, some good practical examples of how companies have done that, both use their engagement with stakeholders to inform their principal decisions, but also then set out how their principal decisions have affected their stakeholders.
2: I think it's also important to really not shy away from from difficult decisions and uh, really explain the consequences of decisions and also where they might be more positive on certain stakeholders, but may have potential negative consequences for other stakeholders, companies should really explain why they went ahead with the decision and why that is the best outcome for the company and and for the stakeholders themselves on balance and explain the reasons why they took those decisions.
1: I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's really important particularly at the moment, because companies are having to make, you know, difficult decisions, you know, as a result of the pandemic and other challenges that they might be having. And, you know, sometimes we read reports where there's very much a sort of rosy picture being presented about, you know, how companies engage with their stakeholders. And, and, you know, it's all very positive on that front. But, you know, investors recognise that companies are having to make decisions which will affect some stakeholders in a good way and some stakeholders in a more challenging way. And if the company is not sort of being open and honest about that, investors are likely to sort of, you know, there'll be a sort of loss of credibility in, in a sense, because there's a, there's a realism here that, you know, the decisions made, strategic decisions made by a company, you know, will have different effects on different stakeholders. And And I think companies should be open and honest about that. And if they are open and honest about it, then I think that gives them more credibility.
0: Absolutely. I think authentic reporting is certainly key and I think the other point that, that resonated Phil there is, is not looking at everything in a silo necessarily. Everything that we're discussing is is, is interconnected which I think brings us very neatly to uh, the section 172 statement which uh, I think draws together both some of the discussion we've just had on, on decision making as well as the discussion on on stakeholders. And I think the report quite helpfully describes the one seven two statement as as a bridge between those those two different disclosures, but it seems that more often than not companies are just focusing on on the stakeholder engagement in their one seven two statements so uh, marie claire what what are investors really looking for from from their one seven two statements and and what practical tips have you got for companies to think about when they when they go about drafting those statements
2: as you mentioned and we highlight in the report the The Section 172 statements should really be a bridge between information on stakeholders and and on decisions. And they should also address all the a to f aspects of the Section 172 duty in explaining how the company is progressing towards its long-term success. Those statements which just focus mainly on stakeholder engagement tend to be a bit more boilerplate because they are not focusing enough on what is truly strategically important and what concerns the board. That is why statements which address decisions in detail and then cross-refer to the relevant information on stakeholders tend to be viewed more favorably by investors. Such statements are typically more part of a connected narrative. And while the Section 172 statement can be a good source of standalone information, investors would like it to still be concise and use cross-referencing effectively and with context. As Phil mentioned, a way of um, reporting on decisions, and that is often presented in the Section 172 statement, um, is case studies. So when companies are providing case studies of decisions, companies should also reflect how the different aspects of the Section 172 duty was considered, as well as a two-way approach of considering the impact of stakeholders and decisions on each other. It's also worth noting that some investors highlighted that Section 172 statements often do not address the impact of the company's operations on the community and the need to act fairly as between members of the company. It's also useful to consider where to place the Section 172 statement in the annual report and how it fits in the connected narrative linking to business model, strategy, and how business is done through the lens of governance and culture, as Garrett. As you mentioned earlier, it should all be really linked together. And its position shouldn't be a function of design, but it should reflect strategic importance. Phil, do you have anything to add on on the statement?
1: Yeah, I I was just going to add that, you know, one of the things during the course of this project, which we started last year, so typically lab projects uh, last a year and we produce a report at the end of it. But one of the things I was going to mention was because there was so much demand for guidance around Section 172 statements, we actually published last year a set of tips. It's a very short set of tips, two pages, which set out some, some guidance for companies in producing the Section 172 statement. And it covers areas like the placement of the statement, cross-referencing, but also some tips on, you know, how how companies can set out their principal decisions, how that links to their engagement with stakeholders and, and so forth. So whilst the report contains a lot of practical tips and guidance, if you want a kind of short summary of practical tips to put together a, a section 172 statement, it's well worth having a look at that two page summary.
2: And besides the report, we've also published a summary of the key questions to consider on uh, what to disclose on on information on stakeholders and on decisions, as well as a summarized version of the tips on Section 172 statements as well.
0: And Phil Mary claire I know that a lot of companies found that the tips document really helpful when they came to produce their Section 172 statement this year. And I'm sure that they'll find the report really helpful when they come to produce their 172 statement and indeed report on stakeholders and principal decisions more generally in their forthcoming annual report. I think in particular, the uh, examples that the report highlights of what useful disclosures look like are going to be really, really helpful when it comes to drafting the annual reports. One
1: of the things I was just going to add in terms of the sort of whole concept of the lab is that, you know, all of the recommendations that we include in lab reports are based on participation and discussions from companies and and investors. And it's really important that we recognize that the challenges that companies face when they're reporting in, in various different reporting areas, but also recognize that investors really are seeking the information to allocate capital in a good way. So the reports that we produce are are very practical, but they're very much informed from the participants in our projects. So we're always looking to reach out to companies to discuss the reporting challenges that they've got if they would like to reach out to
0: us. Great. Thanks very much, Phil. And thanks, Mary-Claire. That's been a really helpful run through of the report Uh, and hopefully that's provided uh, some useful tips for those listening who may be involved in preparing the forthcoming annual report. So thank you very much for joining me today.